The contents of this podcast episode may be triggering and emotionally challenging to some audiences due to a discussion around suicide, self-harm, depression, and or a reference to other mental health disorders. Continue at your own discretion. Welcome to the To Be Honest podcast. Today, I am talking with Maritza Peralta, who is a 24-year-old master's in social work student at San Jose State University and a case manager for the Mental Health Association of San Mateo County. She's here to talk about her own mental health journey with depression and borderline personality disorder, what it's like working in the mental health field, and the importance of breaking down the stigma, especially in the Mexican-American culture. So welcome to the podcast, Maritza. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. I'm excited to talk to you and share a little bit more about your journey. Before we jump into all of that good stuff, I'd like to ask every guest, to be honest, how are you doing today? To be honest, it's been a week and I'm glad it's Friday. (laughs) It's been a little tough, but I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad it's Friday. I'm glad the day's over with. So um, yeah, time to relax and do some self-care for the weekend. Yeah. Do you have any specific self-care in mind? I think just hanging out with some friends. I'm almost going back to school. So I kind of just want to enjoy the weekends before I start back into school and just getting into that busy mode again. Yeah. I don't know how you do your working and you're going to school. So I applaud you for that. That's really, really difficult. Um, But yeah, I would love to start by asking a bit about your learning about your background. Um, And I know that you've had experience with depression. So I was hoping you could kind of talk about when you first started to experience symptoms of depression. Honestly, I want to say that symptoms really started when I was like super young in my childhood almost. Um, I think the earliest symptoms that I ever experienced were suicidal symptoms. And that was like around when I was like eight or nine. And, you know, at the time, you know, being that young, you don't realize that they were suicidal thoughts. You don't realize what exactly was going on. I just know that I wanted to, I threatened my life, you know, and I figured, you know, not being here no more is a better option than what I was going through in life. And so, um, yeah, like I said, it wasn't until much later that I was like, wow, those were pretty serious suicidal thoughts. Um, But it wasn't until I was in high school that I started seeing a little bit more symptoms, um, more tearfulness, more crying. I felt so much more vulnerable. And so, and then it wasn't until college that it really progressed and that it really got severe enough for me to, to receive help because I was like, yeah, there's, there's definitely something wrong. And so, yeah, but it definitely started, I would say from, from childhood. Do you think that there was something that triggered it? I know that that's not always the case, but I'm just curious in your in your experience, um, did that was there something in your life that you think triggered those um, suicidal ideations? I think it was just definitely like family and what we were going through. Um, you know, we went through a lot. We were like, I come from a very low income family, and at that time we were struggling a lot. My mom was struggling, and just seeing her struggling um, that wasn't it wasn't a good thing, you know, and then my dad was kind of in and out of the picture and I'm all a daddy's girl. So not having him there and, you know, it was just so many different things that I think, but I I would definitely say it was just like the family dynamics that that was going on at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's totally understandable. It sounds like you had a lot going on at an early age. So 
Um, yeah, I am curious about when you were diagnosed with depression, did you eventually seek help? Um, and what was that experience like? Yeah, definitely. Well, I didn't seek help until I was in high school and it was for therapy. I wasn't diagnosed with anything, but I did go in for therapy. It wasn't until I was officially diagnosed when I was in college, when I was doing my bachelor's degree. That was when, you know, like I said, the symptoms were getting really severe. I was just having really bad episodes. And so I was like, okay, there's definitely something going on. I need to do something about it. And so, yeah, my first diagnosis of depression was in college and I wasn't surprised. I wasn't in denial. I wasn't you know, I was going, I wasn't going to sweep it off the rug. I was like, okay, I accepted it as it was. And I knew from years that it was depression. And I just, at that moment, I just wanted to get help. I was in college. I didn't want my own symptoms, my own mental health to get in the way of my education, which is very important to me. So um, yeah, that was when I received help and, and I was all, all for it. Yeah. Did you, at that point in college, did you know like what resources were available to you? Was that process difficult to seek therapy? It wasn't difficult because I had already gone through therapy before. I think it was just the fact that I had such an amazing therapist when I was in high school that I kind of expected it to be the same thing. And it was not. Seeking mental health services in college is, no offense, insane. Like there was the biggest wait list for students. Um, and you only, I think for my program, you only get like six free sessions and then you have to eventually pay and depending if it's really severe or not, you know? So I definitely learned about the reality of mental health services for students in college. And it was very unfortunate. It was very unfortunate, right? I couldn't really seek out a therapist when I was having a tough time. Um, and so I'm thankful that I got the help. I'm thankful that I got the services that I had at the moment, but it was definitely much more tough than back in high school. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, I, I feel like I need to connect you with one of the former podcast uh, guests that I had because she had the same the same perspective yeah. on seeking mental health um, services on, I think she she's at San Jose State, yeah. Um, yeah, and definitely. And just how difficult it was and no, no you know, no hate towards San Jose State, but we we had a little bit of a conversation on that too. Yeah, I totally understand. There are so many different students to serve, and especially in college, it's such a vulnerable time that there is definitely an increase of mental health symptoms. And mm-hmm. I don't blame them, but I wish there was an expansion of services. So absolutely, yeah, yeah I agree. Um, during this time, was there anyone in your life that you felt was like super supportive? Was your family understanding of what you were going through when I got that? episode or that diagnosis at the moment, I didn't tell anyone because first of all, I was in college. I was six hours away from home. I didn't, I never told my family because I didn't want them to know that I was struggling. I didn't want them to think that I wasn't going to be able to do it. I didn't want them to think, Hey, you're not well off. Maybe you should come back home. And so I'm very much, you know, little miss independent. So I wanted to keep that. Yeah. I was, I'm very prideful. So I I was like, no, like, it's okay. I'm going to be fine. Um, I did tell my closest circle, my friends, classmates that were really good friends with me at that time. And I had a lot of support from them. Um, But my family didn't find out until much later. And by much later, I mean, like last year, I was having a really severe episode. I think it was like the worst one. And that was when I really opened up to them. And I was like, mom, dad, I'm struggling. This is what's going on. This is a reality of what I'm experiencing. and And whether you want to 
accept it or not, whether you want to help me out or understand, this is what's going on. Um, and I'm thankful that I did because they were very supportive too, you know, and I think there was one person in particular that was the most supportive, but it was very surprising. Uh, my father, he is, you know, I'm, I'm Mexican, right? So he is this very hardcore, old school, traditional Mexican machista man. And so mental health is not in his dictionary. Depression is nowhere in his vocabulary. So I, I didn't think he was going to be accepting of me. I didn't think he was going to understand. Um, I thought he was just going to be like, well, you know, maybe you just, you just need to get out. And, you know, I just, I didn't think it was going to be, um, a good thing for him because he's never really heard me say that I'm struggling, but it was the complete opposite. And I'm so glad that I talked to him and I sat down with him and I was like, dad, I'm struggling. I've been struggling for years. And this is just another episode that I'm having. I just want to let you know. And so, yeah, he was very supportive. I'm so glad that I talked to him and I'm glad that I communicated my feelings because yeah, he was, he was very much there for me. And, um, it's funny because at the end of it, he a couple of days after I talked to him about it, he bought me three pills or three bottles of like vitamins. Yeah, if you take these, you're going to feel a lot better. And I was just laughing and I was like, it's not going to cure me, but I will take them for you. Don't worry. And he told me so many things that I preach about now, like everything that you put into your body, everything in everything in your environment just affects your mental health. And I very much agree with that, you know. And so, yeah, I think I'm just grateful that he was very, very supportive of this um, of this latest episode of mine. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad you had the support of your parents and yeah, your dad um, showing his Showing his love and his support in his own way is really cute. <laughs> Definitely. That was my exact reaction. I was like, you're so cute, Dad. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> we love a supportive parent. So you kind of talked about um, being Mexican-American and the machismo and the stigma. So I'm curious, what do you think can be done about the stigma around mental health in Mexican-American culture? I think, honestly, in my personal experience, and I think from just like my environment, too, um, I think the number one thing will always be communication, right? Because in my case, if I would have never communicated what I was feeling, if I would have never really sat down with him and told him, hey, this is a real thing. This isn't something that I can just take vitamins and the next day I'll be okay. No, it takes some time and it takes a lot of effort from everyone to get better. Um, but I think that was the first thing, communication, just be open, you know, be open and, and be mindful. Um, and with that, have an open mind, right? And keeping in mind that you are not in control of other people's reactions or thoughts. You're only in control of your own, right? Just like my dad, I didn't know what his reaction was going to be. I didn't know what he was going to say. And for me, it was just, I was going to have to accept it, whether I liked it or not. And I'm glad that it worked out for, for both of us. But I think those are some very important things that I've learned. And I definitely encourage other people in, in the culture to do. Do you feel like the stigma impacted your treatment progress at all? Because it sounds like you are, you know, like your mental health well, and you are in the field. So I feel like you, the stigma is less, um, I guess, pervasive or yeah, in like your own mind. But I'm just curious if, if it has impacted you at all. I think it definitely has. And I think there was different gaps when I was like trying to receive services, mainly because I was like, oh, I don't need it. Oh, I'm okay. 
um, working in the field, you're like, well, I'm okay, so, so I can help other people with their mental health issues. Um, but I think the one thing that it did impact was just the timing it took for me to get services. Um, and every time I try to take services, it would be like the breaking point, a really bad rabbit hole that I was in um, to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to get help. Um, but other than that, I think because I was in the field and because I had been struggling so long, I kind of just, I already knew what to do. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious now, you have mentioned that you are re- were recently diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Um, would you mind sharing a bit about like what borderline personality disorder is um, and the differences between depression and BPD? Borderline was pretty scary, honestly. That was, I was given a diagnosis last year when I was going for treatment for depression. So I was very the complete opposite mindset of borderline. I was very much in denial. I was very much like, no, that's not true. That's not my diagnosis. Um, That's not right. That's not me. I was like, no, I'm just probably having a really bad episode right now. Like, I just don't think that's, that's real. And so it took a while for me to just kind of sit down and come to terms with it and accept it. Because I think the one thing for me was that I was so quickly to almost judge this disorder. I was like, I didn't, I had heard of borderline before, but I didn't even know what it was. And so it took me a while to just sit down and be like, okay, let me look it up. Let me see what this is about. Let me see what are the symptoms. And so some of the common symptoms of borderline are like emotional instability, a lot of impulsivity, unstable relationships with other people. And I think for me, like the biggest one is like fear of abandonment. And, um, you know, so in my head, borderline personality, I was like, do I have multiple personalities? That was like the first thing that came to my mind. And then I was like, no, that has nothing to do with this. You know, it sounds a lot scarier than what it is. It's very intimidating, big word. It's a big disorder, but it's, it has to do with just like a lot of emotions, intense, intense emotions and stuff like that. Um, And I think to put it into like perspective, BPD is more of like, I saw it online somewhere, but it's more of like a roller coaster. You go through different emotions. You have a lot of like highs and lows and, you know, it's, it's like a roller coaster ride. Uh, and you experience, you know, anger, happiness and anxiety, all these different um, moods versus depression. It's more of like, like they say, painting with one color. You're more sad. You're more lonely. You feel um kind of like in this bubble feeling a lot more down versus BPD. It's like definitely a lot more emotions. Thank you for explaining that. Cause I think I learned even a few things while you're giving that explanation. So I really appreciate that on your journey. So it sounds like you kind of experienced, you were like, no, I don't have, I don't have this um, to where you are now, where you kind of accept it, come to terms with your diagnosis. What were the steps for you to get to that place? I think for me, it was a lot of self-reflection And just a lot of like, I don't want to say like being on my own, but just really thinking about what this, what these symptoms were and how it much connected into my life. Because once I learned about it, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I kind of do that. Yeah, I kind of feel this way. And so I was very much like, well, the more I learned about it, like I said, I was like, okay, this makes sense. 
this is nothing that what I thought it was going to be. And so um, I think just learning more about it and doing my own little research. Um, but like I said, just kind of processing what I feel um, and just kind of for me personally, knowing that it's not that bad and knowing that I can overcome these symptoms. And even then, I'm still learning about it. I still like last week I had a moment where I was just having a really tough week and I'm like, well, and I was going through this roller coaster of emotions. And I was like, well, is this me? Is this the borderline? Is this other things? And so definitely when that happens, I just like to reflect on what I'm feeling and, you know, okay, well, I feel this way and, and that's okay. Let me just overcome it and do what I have to do to take care of myself so it doesn't get worse. Yeah. I like that you incorporate yeah reflection and you're like very self-aware of, yeah. or I guess I should say like mindful of like the thoughts going through your head and how they relate to your diagnosis. So that's really awesome. Do you think that the stigma when you first were diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, do you think that personal stigma or self-stigma came from anywhere in particular? I want to say I was already in the, in the field when I got diagnosed and I had had some clients with BPD and I had seen their own symptoms that were pretty severe. And so I was like, oh my God, like, is that me? You know? And then I think also something really big was like just mental health in the media. It's now it's a little bit more open and people are more open about it and and they talk a lot more about it. But I think back then it was more of like, oh my God, borderline is, or like bipolar is like the worst thing that you can have, you know? Um, and so I think that had to do a lot with the stigma that I had about it. But um, yeah, I'm thankful, like I said, that I learned so much about it and I'm still reading into it, looking into it just to kind of put it out there. Like it's, it's not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I feel like there needs to be more positive media about mental health mm -hmm. or people portrayed with mental health um, challenges in the media, just because there's such, yeah, like you said, I mean, there's like I forget what that movie is, but it's like where the, I think the guy may have borderline personality disorder. Maybe I'm making this up in my head. I don't know, <laughs> but it's portrayed in a good light. So it's like, why are we allowing these things to be, you know, in the mass media when they're harmful to people, a lot of people. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I like what you mentioned too, about seeing um, some of your clients that you worked with who did have this diagnosis and, how everyone kind of experiences it differently. I just think that goes to show like what kind of a spectrum mental health really is. So Definitely. Yeah, I agree. What would you want others to know about borderline personality disorder? I think honestly, from like my own personal experience that it's not that bad and it's not scary. You know, it's like I said, it's intimidating and, you know, maybe someone gets diagnosed with it and they have the same reaction. I mean, like, no, that's not true. Or I have multiple personalities. Like, no, it has nothing to do with that. And I think just, it's not as intense or as scary as people portray it to be or talk about, you know, it's kind of like back what you said, everyone experiences mental health totally different. Um, and I think it's very much um, a disorder that, that can be cured or maybe not cured, but just very much well-managed. Um, again, your environment has to do so much with your, with your symptoms, but I think all in all that it's, it's not scary and you know it's very much manageable yeah 100 percent, i agree um i'd love to hear more about your career trajectory um and what you hope to do with your master's in social work um so would you mind sharing a bit about where you are in your educational journey 
Yeah, definitely. Well, right now I am currently getting my master's degree. I'm going to San Jose State. Um, I am just right about to enter my final year, so I'm very excited about that. Um, almost done, and then after that, I do want to get my license, so I do want to be a licensed clinical social worker, and I do definitely want to stick to the mental health field. Um, I was interning at a psychiatry, and I absolutely loved it. I thought it was amazing, and you know, working with psychiatric disabilities is very intense, but I found that that was just kind of my calling, and I definitely want to stick to that in the future. Awesome. Does that mean like a certain, is there a certain population or age range that you'd like to work with specifically? I think more adults. I think I'm more comfortable with them, um, like middle-aged adults. But yeah, definitely, definitely adults. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you. I think everyone in the mental health field appreciates you for even like, you know, going into this field because there's such a shortage of people. Um, and I think you will be contributing so much to this field. So thank you. <laughs> uh, what made you want to pursue a career in mental health? I think, again, it was my own mental health symptoms, what I had gone through. And then I think just school. Um, I'm very glad that the program that I was in definitely gave me so many options in the field and I was able to do so many different things. And so I think once I found, again, I found my calling in this psychiatric ward, um, I was like, okay, I can, I can do it and I'm comfortable with it. Something that's very important and I have the patience to do it. So um, I definitely not only learn more about myself, but I just know that if I can help one person, you know, overcome a symptom or overcome their mental health, then I can change the world that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you definitely will. How I know that grad school can be like really stressful um, and intense and you're working too. So I'm curious, how has grad school impacted your mental health um, and helped you to manage your symptoms? I think it's definitely been a positive experience. School is very busy. I'm a full-time student and we also have internship too. So I think just juggling all these different roles and roles that I like, it's not roles that I'm forced to do. I'm very much well invested into my education. It just keeps me busy and it keeps me focused. It gives me a reason to just kind of wake up and feel very much motivated, um, motivated to finish. And, you know, but um, yeah, I think the main thing is just that it keeps me focused on something else rather than myself, rather than getting into my head a lot. Um, again, these are things that I like to do and I'm okay doing every single day. So that that focus on something else keeps me from biting into my own brain. Yeah. That's really cool. I love that it's benefited you because I know, yeah, for some people, it could be the opposite, have the opposite effect. So it's great that it's been a positive experience for you and your mental health. Um, the one question I kind of like to end on, at least for this season, is since the start of your mental health journey, what's one thing that you incorporate in your life that you think others should too? I think as I previously mentioned, and like my dad said, like everything that you put into your body, your diet, you know, what you eat, what you drink, the friendships, relationships that you have in your life, I think all that impacts your mental health. And I think ever since my mental health journey, I definitely take care of and look out for what I eat and how much water I drink, you know, and my friendships. I try to stick to people who are very positive and um, are kind of pursuing the same things in life because, like I said, that all affects your mental health. And if you're not taking care of that, then I think it'll definitely affect your symptoms or severity of symptoms. But um, 
Yeah, I think everybody obviously experiences mental health differently. But, you know, as long as you take care of yourself, I think everybody should be successful. Yeah, that's great advice. I will definitely be implementing that in my life. (laughs) Um, So thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so glad that we had a chance to chat and you had a chance to share your experience. Um, I, I think a lot of people will learn a lot from this and just wanted to give you the opportunity to share Um, if people can go anywhere to learn more about you or the work that you're doing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can always follow me on social media. I'm pretty much everywhere. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, I definitely try to do a lot of self-care. And um, I know you can't see, but like my background is all Halloween and I'm all about that lifestyle. So anything that makes me feel good or positive, I'm all for it. So yeah, you can most definitely follow me on there. I'm sure there'll be a link or something. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, definitely you can check me out somewhere on social media. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again, Maritza. It was great talking to you and I hope we can chat again soon in the future. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate this. All right. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you. You as well. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the To Be Honest podcast brought to you by Momentum for Health. We're so happy to be able to share the personal behavioral health and wellness stories of youth and young adults in Santa Clara County. If you live in Santa Clara County and are in need of behavioral health assistance, please call 800-704-0900. You can also reach the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline 24-7 by dialing or texting 988. That's it for now, but we'll be back in just two weeks with another episode. Bye!